You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to McIntyre's Next Level Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs, leaders, and dreamers to awaken and be activated to their full potential. Are you ready to get out of the boat and experience your next level? Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Michael McIntyre, your most humblest host here at the Next Level Podcast. Yeah, man. I mean, last week and now this week, two superstars, right? Back to back. I mean, you know, listen, it's all happening and we're so excited about this. And I know that uh, uh, there's people out there thinking, how is McIntyre getting this quality of people? Not me, baby. It's all about Jesus. And I'm so excited here. We've got today another celebrity here we've got carrie lloyd coming to you live from redding california and uh, she is amazing i'm going to read a little bit of her bio here and see if i can't embarrass her some uh carrie is a uk <laughs> journalist uh united kingdom journalist and author of the virgin monologues prude and the noble renaissance which stacy and i are reading right now published by harper collins and the legacy letters before becoming a pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California, as well as a pastor of pastors for Global Legacy Bethel Leader Network, she worked in film and TV industry as a producer. And these days, she is an advocate of vulnerable children working on global campaigns such as the Orphan Myth Campaign and on the board of uh, board of All in Fostering Futures Charity. She's a coach and a foster parent and her main vocation still being writing. She travels between her home in Stamford, England, and her home in Northern California. The Carry On podcast started in 2017 and can be found on iTunes, Spotify, uh, and at www.carrylloyd.live. Carrie Lloyd, my God, you are on my podcast. Welcome, sister. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. How exciting. Oh, uh, well, first of all, I just wanted to give a big shout out for Fab for introducing us. And uh, when we were putting together this Echoes of Creation, we were thinking, you know, we want some writers here. We want some gifted people. And Fab was saying, bro, bro, I got the person for you. And, you know, you sent us your book. And what you know what I love about you, Carrie, is your book is so amazing. Uh, if if you guys have not gotten this book, you need to get it. I mean, don't stop. Just go to Amazon, order it. Uh, and what I love about your book is when you sent it to us and you wrote in something in the side and you said, call me and I'll interpret it because I couldn't figure out what you wrote. <laughs> yeah, I have it when I do book signing. So people will literally take a picture of the, what I've written and then they will post it to me, send it to me saying, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what you wrote. Could you just say, and then my mother thought that I wrote the word cholesterol in her birthday card the other day. And it was the word celebrate. I have the worst writing in the world, which is why I'm addicted to typewriters. Cause I well, just. It's I, a mark it's, of genius is what I'm thinking. You know, doctors, you can't read their writing and Carrie Lloyd, you can't read her writing either. And yeah. so maybe at echoes, I'll show everybody what I'm talking about. So, all right. Uh, so you wrote this beautiful book, uh, you know, and I think uh, the Renaissance is just, it's, it's one of these things that Stacy and I started reading Noble Re Re Renaissance, and it's like I can't, we can't put it down. Uh, awesome. it, it's so real, it's so raw, and I, like I was telling you in our uh, before the show, uh, 
you know, we were bawling our eyes out in the third chapter. And I texted you right after we were doing that. I said, this is yeah. so amazing. So what prompted you in writing Noble Renaissance? I think, honestly, because I was an atheist back in the day, <clears throat> and I've so I've done all the walks, if that makes sense. Yes. I've looked at all camps um, and stayed in them for a good amount of time. And I think being an atheist, watching the church from the outside, and then falling in love with the Lord on a very different, I was very religious growing up. Not that my parents brought me up with that. That was just my imagination that just ran wild. And so all of the different kind of exposés that I had of religion, God, I always fell apart and melted at kindness and nobility. And even when I was an atheist, I wanted to know why was I so moved emotionally when I watched an act of nobility? And of course, Americans often think nobility is this aristocratic royalty thing, which I know it has a lesion of that, but there's actually a part of this that is more about, A.W. Tozer calls it the excellence of moral beings. And I do believe we as Christians, if we're not careful, uh, and not really tuning into that, thinking that the Lord's going to change our character on our behalf. It's actually our choice to say yes to having a good character. Um, and just because you're saved doesn't mean <laughs> that you don't have work to do. It's and good. so I think one of the things that I was seeing is that like in these amazing signs and wonders that can happen with the gospel, the things that can take place just in the power of the almighty is extraordinary. But at the same time, flip it around and you've got evangelists that are just very unkind to their assistants, or you've got people that are doing extraordinary things in the name of God, but they can just be quite brutal or be quite cruel. Or then, of course, we're seeing a lot of exposés of sexual abuse or mishandlement of authority to young, innocent, vulnerable children. And so what I wanted to do is, can we look again at nobility? I think we're losing the art form of nobility if we're not careful. And Daniel is one of my favourite characters in the Bible because he was so... BA, should we say? He was he was just pretty he was pretty extraordinary in how yeah. he navigated the wicked and, and the wonderful. And 100%. um he established himself to be wise. And I think he looked into what's a noble response to this. And it's normally the harder choice, which makes it more courageous, more impressive, and it's a strengthening to our own journey with the Lord. So every time we do actually make a noble choice or try to make a noble choice then we actually see more miracles and more signs and wonders. You know, families are restored. Uh, marriages are finally mended. Uh, children are finally found their forever homes. There are so many acts that we can do. It doesn't we have to be huge Mother Teresa-like stuff. It can be tiny day-to-day -day things of forgiving the unforgivable, it's you know. Yeah. So, all right. I, I love that. And uh, right away in your first chapter in your book, you get into this. And you, you also disclaimer about yourself. And I love that you humble yourself in this process because none of us yeah. are, are good all the time. Right. You know, yeah. we, we, you know, we turn away, we, you know, we look away, we, you know, try to avoid, right. There's a lot of things, yeah. even as good Christians, even as believers that, you know, you leave the church and you drive down the street and maybe you don't do something that you should do because it's inconvenient, <laughs> you know, and I get it. Uh, so with that though, and what I love what you just said, Carrie, was that, once you start doing these things, these nobility things, these little acts of kindness, you start noticing more. Is it kind of like, you know, once you buy a red car, all of a sudden you see all the red cars? I think so. I mean, I think if you're making an intentional effort to be building your character. So if you talked about avoiding, we try to avoid. So mm -hmm. adversity for me is not my favorite. If I can have a cozy, cushy life and just have spa days every day, that would be my 
that would be my dead. I'd be a very holy Christian doing that. <laughs> I have nothing to challenge my character. However, that's not life. And I found myself in this position where I'm kind of questioning what's going on in my journey where if I've got adversity, how can I use it as an opportunity to build my character? Um, and I, I think that Michael Hart did a study, uh, a survey a long time ago, looking at the top 100 most influential people in the world on earth ever. And uh, Jesus Christ came in at number three. So, which to me was... Well, <laughs> oh, man, what's the matter with us? <laughs> I was you know, who's number one? Uh, to which was Muhammad, and then the oh, second wow. one, Isaac Newton. And when he was asked why not Jesus Christ, considering 2.1 billion people today are still easily influenced by his teachings, he said, I'd have loved to, but um, the majority of those people aren't actually following his teachings. Wow. Wow. So what? So that hit me and convicted me in a sense of like, that's probably accurate, actually. I mean, I think we love to say that we love him, but are we actually following his character and using these teaching, these words, these parables as ways to actually sharpen us? We wait for other people to sharpen us. And I think there's actually due to ourselves to actually build us in a way that can be that we can surprise ourselves with the Lord inside of us. It's a, it's a way for us to be surprised that, oh my gosh, I'm actually partnering with him in some of the most brutal, this is me dying to myself. This is that stuff, the dying to the self. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. I, I think, and yeah. I, I get, I get, I want to just ask this because I think, you know, about the dying to oneself and, you know, even just saying that, you know, we say that a lot in the, our Christian language, right? Uh, dying to, you know, dying to our flesh, but really, you know, it's, it's, it's painful, right? It's yeah. painful. You know, it's no fun to, you know, like you said, I'd love to have spa day every day and, you know, and room service all day. Right. Yeah. But yeah. that's, that's not a reality. And even if it was, what would we be walking like Jesus like is what, you know, and, and being a Christian is being Jesus like, right. None of us yeah. are going to be ever going to come close. That's why he died. The blood, blood yeah. saved us all. But with, with that, with, with what is it, what, what do you think Because as a journalist? Okay. Mm. And that's where you really cut your teeth in writing as a journalist, yeah. right? How do you see from your eyes, from your from your paradigm, what do you see going on in the church as Christians? And, you know, and the and yeah, I've got an opinion, but I want to hear yours. I, I'm yeah. reading your book. I'm really getting Stacey and I are getting a very good sense that like, hey man, this chick's like us. She thinks like us, and I <laughs> dig it, you know. And I'm so grateful for this connection. So, how from a journalist perspective, what do you see the church? In, in, a, in a situation here in 2023? Well, it's ironic because the day that the book actually was launched was June 2nd, 2020, which was Blackout Tuesday. I don't know whether you remember, we all put black yeah. tiles 100%. on for Instagram yep. to stand yep. for all the injustice that was happening around George Floyd. Now, right. I've, I'm have i British, as you know, so mm -hmm. how we navigate political things, issues, social injustices is sometimes quite different than America. Mm -hmm. And I think there are pros and cons of both sides. That's why I love living in both countries, because I love to learn the solutions of where it's working and avoid the areas where it's not working. I think as, as Christians, we have this tendency to go, we actually have the manual how you should do life. So here you go. And it can be quite, um, it can be quite isolating. It actually can be quite hostile language that we aren't really looking for the solutions of these problems. We're just telling people what, how to be. Right. 
And so what I've noticed was some of the, the most fundamental, extraordinary people that have actually created progression and this, this element of justice, this injustice that we have on social media at the moment, we're slandering people publicly, we're berating them as much as we possibly can, we're slaying them with good witty lines and thinking that's going to resolve the problem. But it doesn't. You're just sitting at home behind your screen sharing your opinions. You're actually not going out there. So don't tell me, for example, your your thoughts about anti-sex trafficking or all of these different things if you're not actually helping the foster care system, which is catching upstream the issues that are going on. So this is why I kind of got into fostering, because I realized my anti-sex trafficking work was great. But we actually aren't really solving the problem if we're not going upstream with vulnerable children who 80 percent of sex trafficked victims are coming from the foster care system. So it's practical in the sense of what does it look like to find to take our character, to make good choices. And then when we are facing injustice, like we are in many episodes now, in many different sections, Mm -hmm. are we really coming to resolve and unity and peace, which the scripture will talk about, we finally come to peace and unity. That's essentially what the fruit is of nobility. It's love, it's, it's unity. And this division that keeps on happening at the moment between our religious doctrine and our injustices, it's actually not echoing how the likes of Joseph, Mary and Joseph, Joseph, he was seen as a just man and he could have stoned Mary on learning that she was pregnant, but chose to quietly divorce her. There are plays and ways that we actually have to respond rather than react to things. And I think if I can work, and I don't, I, I, I've said at the very beginning of the book, I'm a student of this, I'm not an expert. If I say that I'm an expert, I'm doomed because everyone's going to expect <laughs> me to be this, this quintessential walking symbol of nobility, which I'm not. But I, I do feel like if I, if I posture myself going, what's the noble choice? Mm-hmm. I actually find myself coming out with a better response. I also don't try to not react to anything within 24 hours of receiving something. So like these little things that actually help towards creating that unity and peace. Um, And I realize we have to have discourse sometimes. Sometimes we have to stand up for the injustices of what's happening. But how we stand up, how we do it, how we argue against it is really key to the longevity of, of our entire world. Yeah, I, I love that. And how we respond is is everything. And I think, you know, dying to oneself, one flesh, when, when we're in those situations, when we're when we're talking about things that aren't easy for us to do or, you know, have a choice to be, like you said, to have the nobility choice, which yeah. I, I, I love your phraseology in this and I love the name of the book. So and and so but it's not easy. And you have sometimes if you're in an argument, if you're with somebody that you don't agree with, you know, and dying to yourself on trying to be right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a big deal. And so how, you know, the United Kingdom. All right. You go back and forth. I I take it. You probably have dual citizenship. Yes. About to. Oh, good. All right. Awesome. Green card at the moment, but about to. All right. I love that you said that. That's just a come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. All right. So. How does the United Kingdom, because I know that we've got a lot of things similar between the Brits and the U.S., but there's a lot of differences, too. Yeah. And I'm just curious because I my, my internist is from London and uh, they look at things differently. Uh, how yeah. would you think that they look at the nobility renaissance in U.K. compared to what they look at the nobility re- renaissance here in, in, in the United States? 
I think in regards to here, I mean, nobility in regards to that word, I think would be seen as something similar as America that they could easily put it onto the aristocratic genre of things. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I think um, culture is amazing in regards to what it allows to be okay and what doesn't allow something to be okay. Um, I felt like I, <laughs> this is a strange thing to talk about, but I was talking about um, toothpicking and how my American friends will cover some of my American, or some of them won't, and they'll use a toothpick. <laughs> and we're the same in England, but mm-hmm. I noticed one American friend would cover when they're doing mm-hmm. it. I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, should I be covering my, my, Toothpicking, and they were like, "No, I actually learned it in Asia. It's very, very rude wow. in front, so you have to." So I've just done that ever since because he would travel so much to Asia. So I was like, "It's interesting what we say is right or wrong." And you see this, of course, in friendship groups. They've gone into the bad crowd. Like there is cultures right. sitting within cultures, and so you know, I found myself in England. We we definitely have a classist society. It's mm-hmm. getting better. But there was definitely an understanding that you probably wouldn't make money if you were working class. And it was kind of embarrassing if you started to make money. You weren't one of us anymore. That's like the the striving, proud, working class kind of thing. Um, The way that we handled, for example, injustices in England, I wouldn't be able to if someone was anti-mask, for example, or anti-vaccine in the in the UK, I wouldn't be able to tell you which party they're aligned to. Wow. I would okay. be able to say they can left wing or right wing. Right. Because wow. it doesn't quite work that way. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be more associated with capitalism and money on which party you go for in England. Whereas in America, I know exactly which party you probably support, depending right. on the injustices that you find. Now, of course, there are lots of people in a gray area to that. But right. it does seem interesting that America in politics holds on to injustices or social justices in order for their campaigning, whereas there'll be a different reasoning behind some of the campaigns and bills in England. Um, And then, of course, we have a monarchy and we have the Church of England that the head of the Church of England is the monarch. So you have a very historic, nostalgic, um, vintage culture of traditional affairs. And the Queen's been very progressive in certain ways, allowing Mm -hmm. their children to marry commoners and to be allowing to allow them to marry divorcees. You know, Mm -hmm. these kind of mini progressions that are happening within the market, even though it's it's often criticized for being behind. But I think some of the traditions are actually very helpful and it actually contains a sense of steadfastness and stability it's not riding on emotions which i think dare i say our generation and the ones behind us are much more emotionally driven which i think on some aspects is the pendulum swing from people just ignoring their hearts and emotions completely which wasn't very useful and could often make people feel very abused in certain aspects Mm -hmm. so we had a pendulum swing but now we're all psychiatrists and using oh, labels and on Dr. Google. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so we're, we're really not doing a great job. And I think we project an awful lot of what other people are doing wrong rather than looking, what can I personally as an individual do and make a noble choice every day to be able to contribute slightly to the world. Uh, we're looking so much aware authorities aren't going right, where these people aren't doing right. We're projecting, we're trying to banish things or, or, or demise people that did some pretty great things because of, a different generation they were living in, not the same culture. And I'm not justifying that for some right. of the things 
they did. But when we keep on looking backwards, we're not looking forward, we're not looking at solutions, and we're not finding ways to actually create unity with each other. We're looking ways to to basically pull each other down. And that isn't justice. That's yeah. that's just the same thing happening over and over again. It's prejudice still. So, 100%. And what you're saying, I, I love that, Carrie, because you're so... It's so it, it really brings up. I got, I got about forty topics. I can just get from that that little, that little riff you just did. <laughs> like, all right. So if you look at like Christopher Columbus, right? Okay, everybody throwing him under the bus because he, I guess, he was mean to the tribes or the Indians yeah. or whatever. And yeah, and, you know, he probably, you know, he probably, you know, was sexually abused somebody. All right, but yeah. and, and which is horrible, which is horrible. Yeah. But we're looking at that from you know from you know fourteen ninety seven, you know compared to 2023 it's a whole different world right? right and if you look at if you look at you know if you look at abraham was a different jew than david yeah okay? and yeah. david was a different jew than jesus right, right? right. and so you cannot and, and that's what that's what i think what what i love about your book is you put this into a such a such a clear perspective if you will of of look we need to be looking at if we're going to look at 1619 compared to 2023 that's two separate worlds so you can't even right. that's not even a you it's not even an apple to 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 the orange it's not even in the same basket not even in the same grocery store and so right. i think that what you're saying is so true uh mm -hmm. you know I love studying the monarchy. I love, you know, as most Americans do, have loved the monarchy to an extent. And some yeah. of it, I think, are just a bunch of spoiled welfare recipients, too. Right. <laughs> but when I look at Queen Elizabeth, I believe that Billy Graham had a real big connection with her. Yeah. And I, and I think he really brought her into the Christianity that you and I are a little bit more familiar yeah. with. And of course, what often happens is we ignore some of the good work. The, the likes of Queen Elizabeth, you know, when she died, there was a huge backlash. And I was really stunned because there was a yeah. nation grieving and those people that were grieving her were being berated by people accusing her, of, accusing them of glorifying her. And I'm like, no, we're not glorifying. The only person we're glorifying here is our Lord, if you're a Christian. But right. I, for me, I, I feel like, no, we're just actually thanking someone that did 75 years of service. And that got right. berated at times. As she, I mean, the, I, one of my favorite stories of her is leaving a wreath on the very uh, tombstones of the murderers of some of her favorite family members. Yeah, so true. Like 30 years later, we ignore these moments. We think it's a sweet little gesture because mm -hmm. she's not been emotionally available. And then I look at someone like Diana that I think was so, had such a huge heart. And obviously in my work, my, my father's work with her and with me meeting her so many times, she was very, very prophetic. And 100%. I think she had actually seen some of the issues wow. that she was grieving, grieving over with the monarchy and the aristocratic sort of journey. Yeah, no, I, I, I find it all extremely fascinating. And I, I, I think, yeah. you know, I remember, you know, and I, I, but I understand how some people here, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't hold, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, I, I don't sit there and look at King Charles. Yeah. Did he make some bad decisions? But so have yeah. I. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, God bless this man for stepping in finally at 75 years old. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, he, he had a good trainer on his hands for a long yeah. period of time and he had yeah. a lot of time training for it. So I hope we give him a chance, but I think more right. than anything, it's a, that's a really tough role to take and you do have to die to the crown. Um, it, there's a duty to it. And I think it's, mm -hmm. um, 
I think people think it's a very sort of austere position. Yes, it can be, but it's also a brutally hard role to take on because you are, you are, your job is peace ambassador. The whole point of having a monarchy was really to remove the political warfare that can happen Mm -hmm. and have somewhere in between a peace ambassador. We have been saved by quite a few wars, I think. And probably had some cause as well, obviously, depending on who the monarch was. But I think I think more than anything, even that is a really interesting role of you know Charles and the, and the choices that he made with Diana. He was kind of placed into a position he didn't want to be in the first place, and mm-hmm. went with what culture asked of him rather than following his heart. You know, yeah. and then the Queen was like, "Okay, go and have what your heart wanted years ago." Yeah, right. And so, <clears throat> there's there's ways that we learn, and I think that's the the beauty of nobility is like we learn from our mistakes. We take on ownership. There is a responsibility with noble mm. people that we went, my bad, I'm going to change it. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen again. And that's what nobility is. It's not being perfect. It's about looking at the messes that we've made, cleaning them up well and finding ways to restore what we did wrong. You know? Beautiful. And I, you know, and I love the name. I just, I, you know, first of all, your accent is BA. Everybody loves your accent, Carrie. And I, I could just sit and listen to you. Even if your IQ was 10, I would think that you're a genius just with your accent. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Someone actually said to me, oh, we listen to your podcast often and um, we like to put it on just before we go to sleep. And I'm like, it's not. It's not, it's not a sleeping aid, my podcast. It's supposed to be informative and bring you into insight and, and a new angle at looking at things. It's not a lullaby podcast to cry and get love, but I actually, I, I thought it was quite sick. Well, it, it's really cool. And I love listening. I could listen to you for hours. And so, all right, I want, I want to, uh, I want to explore a couple things. How did you get yeah. to Redding, California of all places? Mm-hmm. Well, I, had just closed down um, having a business in television production and um, I had just finished a very long-term relationship with someone and I'd always wanted to be in California. My uncle lived in California and he died in 2006. Mm. Um, And even when I came out to see him when I was 15, I landed my feet in California. I turned to my father and I said, I think I'm going to live here one day. Wow. I don't know why. I just loved it. And um, I came, I basically was on a sort of spiritual pilgrimage. I'd come back to the Lord in the middle of this relationship. And then I just got more and more hungry for him. And in that journey, you know, it started to show cracks in the relationship. And it made sense for us to amicably split. And then uh, I went over to America just to visit for a month. I came up to Redding, California to see two friends that were in this environment. And they, they too were British. Um, and I just really like what was happening with them. I like that their strengths were strengthening and that they were able to have articulation and words for why they do what they do and who he is. Um, and then I visited what they were up to. I was here for four days. Then by the autumn, I came back for first year at Bethel Ministry School. And by third wow. year, they asked me to be a pastor, um, to which I ran from that role a thousand miles an hour because I, I do not, not going to be a pastor. No, thank you. Um, don't want to deal with that. Um, I would get very frustrated if people didn't do their homework. Like it's, that's not a lot of homework guys. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kara, I think we're brother and sister. I know. Right. And I, I think it was for me, it was just an obedience thing. And I'm really glad I did it. Cause it, yeah. it, I don't think sometimes until you say yes, you realize what embryonically comes out of you. And for me, um, when I've said yes to things that have absolutely terrified me, which is part, again, of this courage, that courage virtue on the nobility scale, um, 
the courage part and me saying yes to the things that he suggested I do, then um, it brings out stuff that I didn't even know was inside of me. Amen. And it's terrifying and beautiful, but I, I'm very grateful for it because it actually helped me understand, you know, pastoring that many people over that many years, you see the beauty and the wonder and the color of the stories the Lord has created. You hear a thousand testimonies, you see a thousand heartbreaks. And just navigating all of that helped me look at my own journey a little bit and how I was leaders myself. And it was the first leadership role, I would say, that I had that I was like, dang, being a leader is really hard. <laughs> but especially, I had a lot more compassion for them by this especially point. Especially as a pastor, my God. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, t- I, I totally get it. Well, I look. I know, I know you're busy, and I, I am excited that you're coming to Echoes of Creation here in December, actually, yes. the 30th, and you're going to be a keynote speaker, which is going to be really cool. And so uh, for those that want to come and shake the hand of this woman uh, who's amazing, and you'll get to listen to her live and in person, uh, go to Echoes we'll of Creation. provide blankets. Yes, yes. We'll provide- <laughs> the lullaby club. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be incredible. And so, all right. So what are you doing? I know you're, I know you're, you know, hanging out at Bethel. You're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, are you writing another book? Where, where are you at? I, I think I'm actually going to work. I'm, I keep on saying this. Oh, I'm speaking a lot at the moment and I'm doing the podcast at the moment. That's the main thing. And I'm fostering. So I'm about to get back with some, some kids coming into my home, but next year, 2024, I think is going to be novel year, which I've never done a novel but I keep on getting a lot of people going, yeah, I, I think I, having an entire hour of my board and publishers talking about whether I can use the words testicular fortitude in my nonfiction book. <laughs> but I'm like, and then the publisher, like, I fought for you. We got, we've kept it yeah. in with like, yes. That, that's a ballsy move by anybody. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. I see what you did there. Um, yeah, you see what I did there. So I saw what you did there. That's yes, very you good. did. Yes, you Touché. did. You're so, so yeah. amazing. So, Carrie, yeah. I just want uh, what what scripture are you sitting on right now, and why, if any? It's not a scripture. It's a phrase that I'm holding on to, but I'm studying it. Maybe I'm about to speak on it uh, in SoCal next week. Um, embrace your Gethsemanes. Wow. You'll get so many moments. So um, how the church can sometimes avoid the pain we go for the testimony culture, but actually the revelation of who God is and how he works and how he functions. I think wisdom often comes up in some of the darkest valleys moments. And I think honestly, with how Christ was able to carry peace with the cross on his shoulders to his death, I think that has something to do with that conversation the night before in the garden of Gethsemane. And so what he was able to embrace and bargain with God in that moment, I think he was given some tools to be able to handle what he had to then face the next 24 hours. So, Amen. Yeah, he swept blood, didn't he? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think we um, we avoid those moments because it's human to, for, to do that. But I, yeah. yeah That's I beautiful. That, That's really that good. Right now. All right. So uh, listen, audience, uh, this book is amazing. Noble Renaissance. And you can go to www.carrylloyd.live and I'll spell it out. C-A-R-R-I-E-L-L-O-Y-D.L-I-V-E. Go get this book. Go check her out. And she's going to be in Dallas, Texas in November 30th. And uh, we're so excited about it. And thank you so much. Carrie, you're amazing. 
And uh, congratulations on the book. We're digging every minute of it. We are. Oh, thanks and, for reading it. Uh, are you kidding? It's just such a blessing. And and Fab, if you're listening to this, thank you, brother. You're the best yes, that it ever will be, Fab. We love you. All right. <laughs> All right, sister woman. Have a great week. God bless thank you. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. to the next level podcast don't forget to subscribe rate review and share for more resources to help you maintain your next level life join our community at the michael